So I want to talk to you today on a title I've called The Pattern to Victory. We can put it up, The Pattern to Victory. How does God bring victory into our lives? I find there are a lot of people in the world, they want victory, but they don't know how to get it. And the reality is this, is that God promises us a life of victory. When you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is not just about the history of Israel, but the Bible speaks about that history is something that we can learn from in order to draw the best and the worst out of what God's people were going through. And through that, we can actually learn how to have victory. And when I read in the Old Testament, the times are different, the people are different, the culture is different. But who knows when it comes to the Word of God, the principles are exactly the same. And maybe today, right now, you are facing an area that you need breakthrough in. Maybe today you're facing something that you're finding very hard to overcome. I want to encourage you this morning that we serve a God of victory and a God of breakthrough. And you can believe today that you don't need to be going around the same mountain again and again and again, but you can believe for breakthrough in your life this morning. I love what the book of Romans says when it comes to us facing difficulty. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he says, No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, praise God. Not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither present or the future or any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you believe it, say amen. Church, you and I were meant for victory. Our faith is a victorious faith. And when you look at the Old Testament and you look at God's people, you look at the New Testament and the early church, it was not a church of defeat. It was not a church of discouragement. But it was a church of glorious victory. So what does that mean for you and I this morning? Well, I believe that God wants to speak to us today about having personal victory about seeing God personally break through in areas of our lives. And we're going to look at one of those moments in the Old Testament. There's a whole story here. We're not going to read the whole story. We're going to take certain passages out of that story and put it all together. But there's another scenario here, and this is one of many. I mean, I could have picked out a hundred. I've chosen this one because this is the one that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about. But it's another scenario how God's people are overcome with a with an enemy that's coming after them, we'll begin to see how God brings them victory. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, Meunites, they were very consumed about themselves. Thank you, Alex, for that laugh. You got a pay rise this week, amen. <laughs> with some of the Meunites came in a wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came. And they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is in Gadi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And so they do that, and they get a word from a prophet. And this is what the prophet says in chapter 20 of verse, verse 15. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. 
because of this vast army. I love this. For the battle is not yours, but God's. That church is a timeless message. The battle is not ours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. That's a prophetic word for someone right now. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, see the deliverance of the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. So they go out and do what God has asked them to do. We go to verse 20 of chapter 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you'll be successful. And after consulting the people... Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab and Matsia who were invading Judah and they were defeated. I love that. The Lord set ambushes. Church, there's nothing like a good ambush. How about you? I love reading novels. I love reading the ambushes of novels. Nothing like it. And when God sets up an ambush, it's a proper ambush. It's not like you can hide from God. God comes with an ambush. We don't know the details of this ambush. We don't know how, what consisted of this ambush. We don't know the leadership structure of this ambush. All we know is this general statement that God set up an ambush And the Israelites won. But what I find powerful about this pattern, about this passage, is that there is a pattern. Whenever we see God fight for his people, there is always a pattern. You know, church, patterns in life are powerful. There's a pattern in your life about the way that God moves, the way that God brings direction and clarity. I will say this to you today that nothing in your life is random. Circumstances may change. People may come and go in your life. But God does have a pattern in the way that he deals with your life. And I want to encourage you today, if you are aware of the pattern, if you can say, Holy Spirit, give me a revelation of that pattern. Church, it is going to save you a lot of frustration and pain. Many people that go through in life, they go, why is this happening to me? Why is this challenging? Look at the pattern. There's a pattern. One of the patterns in my life is that I always find that there's a season of incredible frustration before the power of God breaks through. Another pattern in my life is that God always wants to stretch me. He doesn't want my faith to feel comfortable. There's a pattern. And here we see a pattern in the Old Testament of the way that God is actually moving. Exodus chapter 25, verse 40 says, See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. God is speaking to Moses about the pattern of the way that he wanted him to build things. And there is a pattern here in Old Testament war strategy that we see here again and again. And again, now we're talking about this one, but I guarantee if you were to read the Word of God and if you were to see other moments of battle with God's people, you would see the same pattern happen again and again and again and again. It's a similar pattern 
And it's why I pulled out these three sections. So let, let me give you kind of the, the synopsis of the pattern. The, the first part of the pattern is this, is that Israel is always facing impossible situations. Impossible situations. A vast army, insurmountable odds, impossible circumstances. There's no chance of success. This was quite usual for God's people because out of all the nations, they were a small nation. We see the Babylonians. We see some of the other huge nations that would come against them. So it wasn't unusual that Israel often would be well over their head. I would say this to you today, that our faith was made for big issues. I don't think you got that this morning. Your faith was not made for an ordinary life. Your faith was not made for you to be comfortable in your seat, though these are comfortable seats. Your faith was made for some big things that come your way. Our depth in God was made for big, challenging moments. It's one of the lessons of the Old Testament that teaches us that big things will come into our lives, but we can overcome them if we put our faith in God. The storms of life will come like seasons. It's a natural part of the Christian walk. But God has given you a faith to overcome those things. It's one of the lessons of the Old Testament. When you encounter a big issue, it's not a sign of God's abandonment. It's not a sign that God is not faithful. Maybe it's a sign that God is with you and God has anointed you to face that Goliath and to overcome that issue. So we often see impossible situations, things that are well beyond their natural ability to endure. The second part of the pattern is that we see because of that, we see Israel seeking God. I mean, if there's anything that's ever going to get you on your knees, it's an impossible situation. And so we see Israel do that. They begin to see God. They're freaking out. They, they call a fast, a prayer. Prayer like this is often triggered by a catastrophic event. If the king is godly, they proclaim a fast. If the king is ungodly, then things are going to go in the wrong direction. They begin to seek God. They intercede. They ask the Holy Spirit to change it. And God begins to speak to them. God is with you. Church, when you get down on your knees and begin to pray, you begin to see God shift things in the heavenly realms. Many times these issues create a spiritual response in God's people. You know, Paul talks about in, in, in Corinthians, he talks about the church in Corinthians, how it was a church that couldn't handle solid, solid food, but uh, only milk. And he says, you are still worldly. Church, every church is still worldly. No matter how spiritual we think we are, our church is still worldly. Right? It's a challenge to get the world out of the church. But when you come through an overcoming situation, a challenging moment, there's a sense that it triggers a spiritual response in you, a seeking of God, a prayer, a fasting. Number third, then there's a confirmation. Impossible odds. The nation prays. God comes and brings a prophet into the mix to give them a word, a prophetic word that God is with you. A prophetic word, go out the front, God is going to give you breakthrough. A prophet gives that word, a word in season. Church, when you are facing an insurmountable situation, you get down on your knees and you begin to seek the face of God, you can expect a word from God. God wants to give you a now word on how to help you to overcome that circumstance. 
And I would say this to you today, get a word from God. Don't get a word from social media. Don't get a word from dim-witted people that have never been through circumstances. Get a word from the Holy Spirit. Not a word from the world, but a word from God. Psalm 143 verse 8. David says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I've put my trust in you. When the morning comes, I'm expecting the morning to not only bring the sunshine and the birds singing, but I'm expecting the morning to bring the word of God to me. That when I get down on my knees, I can get a fresh word from God. There are people here today, you are facing something insurmountable. God wants to give you a fresh word today. You know, right now, I wanna pray for that right now. That God will give you a fresh word right now. In this season, in this moment, that God will bring a revelation out of His Word to speak into your situation. Come on, if that's you today, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you this morning, very quickly, right now. Yep, yep, people all over the place today. Father, come on, let's begin to close our eyes right now. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Father, I thank you today for people, God, that are facing insurmountable odds, difficulties, challenges. God, I pray for a fresh word right now. God, a word in season as they open up your word. Holy Spirit, I pray for a revelation moment. God, a confirmation, Lord God, of the direction that you want to take them in, in your wonderful name. Amen. You know, when I, when I was in Romania and we hadn't been there for three years, I had numbers of people in different churches come to me and say, that word that you gave me, that was a word from God and this is what's happened and God began to open up those doors and I'll be honest, I can't remember the word. I can't even remember the people. And I think sometimes God does that, just takes out all the manipulation. And it's amazing how God actually speaks to us. And so we see this, that there's a word from God and they grab hold of that word and they run with that word. And all of that makes logical sense. Insurmountable odds, seeking God, getting a word from God. But then this last part of the strategy just in the natural, it doesn't make sense, but we see it again and again and again and again. And it says this in verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord, to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. So think about this insurmountable odds. Seek God. Get a word from God. You think now their next stage is to go into battle and to fight. What does the Bible say? Their next stage is lift up your hands and begin to sing and worship and praise God. It's almost counterintuitive to everything else because there's a sense in me, I got a word from God. All right, I've now got a strategy. I'm going to run with that. I'm going to see what God does. But it's almost like God says, stop, begin to declare the goodness and the grace and the favour of God. That at the end of God's strategic plan in the Old Testament, again and again and again for victories is praise. Is singing to God, declaring who God is. Not declaring what you're going through not declaring the issue, but praising Him. I mean, think about it. Why is this part of the strategy? Why is this again and again that we see part of the key? Joshua in the walls of Jericho, after praying, getting a word from God, 
they begin to praise and worship him. Because I believe it's one of the most powerful acts of faith that you can do when you are in the middle of a storm, an act of faith that God would get you through. Church, there is always an act of faith that God asks you to do. There's always something that God will demand of you in that moment that you want breakthrough in. And let's be honest, you can't change the situation. Many times we are in over our head on things that we can't control. So what does God ask you to do in that moment? He asks you to thank Him, to honour Him, to praise Him in that moment. And so I would say to you this morning that praise is an integral part of the, 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 the battle for victory. If you want victory, learn how to praise. After all the seeking and the fasting and the praying in the heavenlies, after all the stuff and defeating demons, what is the last part of the strategy? Begin to honour Him and praise Him. So there's some observations here about praise that I want to break down and then we'll pray. The first one is this, is that praise is the difference between a battle cry and actually praising. See, normally when you go into battle, there's a battle cry. We're going to defeat the enemy. We're going to go after this thing. Freedom! I'll be honest, over COVID, I heard some people really use that phrase freedom in a really unusual way. Freedom! Daniel Andrews is not going to tell us what to do. Freedom! People come with their battle cry. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to fight for this. All of us, when we are facing something, we have a battle cry. Maybe your battle cry is, I hate this. This is painful. Why is this happening to me? Maybe it's an angry battle cry. Maybe it's a frustrated battle cry. But what we see with God's people is there is not a battle cry about what they are going to do, but there is a praise declaration about what God is going to do on their behalf. And I would say this to you this morning, is that when you are facing an insurmountable situation and you've fasted and prayed and you've got a word from God, then don't start going into a battle cry, but shift it and start going into a praise declaration. I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I honour you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Spirit of God, that you are with me. Look what they say, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. And to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. It doesn't matter what cultural background that you come from. Men, we've been called to sing to God. And some of our voices may not be great. Mine is terrible. I remember one time, I remember one time in the youth group, we were doing a praise chant. And, and uh, Pastor Russell, he was doing the countdown. Ten, nine, eight. And we, we were going to get to one. And after one, we're going to praise God. We're going to shout our praises. Went to ten, nine, Eight, seven, and I wanted to be the first one to shout the next number, and I got my numbers wrong. When we went to seven, I went five. And everyone went five. Completely wrecked the praise count. I'm not great with timing. My voice is not great, but I don't care. I'm going to praise God for who he is. Change it to praise. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. To praise him for the splendor 
of his holiness. There is something about just getting caught up in who he is that is incredibly powerful. You say, why praise? Like, what, sing a hymn? No, I'm talking about this whole thing of adoration, getting caught up in the splendor of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. I want the musicians to come. That's what it is. Don't minimize it down to your latest praise song, right? When the Bible talks about praise and worship, it's talking about getting lost up in the splendor of His holiness, getting lost up in who He is, just getting lost in His greatness. See, what happens is we get caught up in the issue. And I would say this, I think we need to change our terminology. We get caught down in the issue, we need to get caught up in God. Right? Stop getting caught down in the problem. We get so consumed with the issue. I just wonder whether praise was part of the strategy just to shift the people's focus, just to shift the mentality. Rather than getting so consumed and having your mind filled with so much rubbish, just saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to get caught up in you. The splendor of your holiness, the splendor of your kindness, the goodness of who you are, Lord Jesus. When was the last time you got caught up in God? just got caught up in the presence of God. You know, I, I, I've been um, going back to just listening to the Word of God. Uh, no, I read the Word of God, right? But actually just on my, on my headphones, just, you know, and I was, I was at the gym the other day and I was listening to the audio version of this thing in chapter 20. And as I'm just working on the treadmill, I started crying. I was just getting caught up in how wonderful God is. As I was doing bench presses, I was weeping. <laughs> Literally. God, you're so good. I love you so much. Please give me more strength. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me make big muscles for Franca. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> bit jet lag that's why <laughs> getting caught up in the splendor of who he is there is a splendor of God there is a magnificence there is a wonder to his faithfulness don't get caught up in the issue get caught up in him Colossians 3 verse 2 set your minds on things that are above not on earthly things when you get caught up in the splendor of his holiness it just gets your mind off the things that are below. Number two, they actually sung an old song. The song that they sung was actually heard in the days of David and Solomon. First Chronicles 16 verse 34, Give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His love endures forever. It's that same song that they sung in Second Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, the trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by the trumpets and the cymbals and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to God and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform this service because of the cloud. Listen, church, it was sung in the temple in First Chronicles. Now it was sung on the battlefield. And when it was sung in the temple, the power of God came down. There's a translation here. Maybe your praise is not meant for the temple. Maybe your praise is meant for the battlefield. 
Maybe the way that you praise God is not meant for the good times, but it's meant for the hard times. It's an old song. It was an old song. They knew the old songs. They knew the old ways. You know, when you and I are in battle, can I be honest? We know the facts. We know our fears. We know our insecurities. We know our weaknesses. You know a lot about what other people will say about your issue. But do you know the songs of deliverance? Do you know the songs of God's goodness? Do you know the songs of God's faithfulness? Do you know the songs of God's kindness? Because Israel knew those songs. Do you know the Word of God that teaches you how to have breakthrough? And those songs, they were fused into Israel's heart and mind like a tree with branches that are fused into the stem. So God's Word and the songs of deliverance were deep inside Israel's life. The problem with us is when we go through a hard time and we fail is because we're too shallow. We don't go deep enough. We know about everything else, but do we actually know the song, the old songs, the songs of deliverance? Do we know the old revelations that God has spoken to us in the past? Not old as in not fresh, but old in terms of depth and strength. Church, we've got to be a church that knows the old as well as the new. You want to win battles? Learn how to praise in His presence. The third one is this, when it comes to praise, is stand stand back and let God do the work. Uh, This is a big one for people here this morning. Because in Jehoshaphat's time, the statement is made, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Let God do the work and you take the spoils. See, praise is not a battle engagement strategy, right? Praise is actually a strategy to stand back and allow God do what He does best. So either we pray, we fast, we fight the battle. We've got to get in there. We've got to get in there. We've got to get in there. Praise is not you getting in there. Think about it. Praise is you standing back and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does best and to work on your behalf. Sometimes you've got to go in. Sometimes you've got to stand back. Sometimes you've got to move forward. That is a big challenge for me because I'm always wanting to move forward. There are times that I've moved forward that the Holy Spirit has said, stand back and nothing's happened. It's been an incredibly frustrating experience. But the times that I've stood back and allowed God to do what He does best, and to bring and just maybe praise is the strategy to actually stop you in your tracks and say, why don't you just back off and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your behalf? I love what he says here. Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you'll be upheld. You will be upheld. You will be upheld. Upheld means to, to be established. I believe that God was establishing something in his people. Establishing faith in difficulty, establishing confidence in the midst of attacks, establishing a security in the midst of uncertainty. Who knows, in the middle of your battle, maybe God is actually establishing something in you, upholding you in certain areas. Know when to go forward, know when to go back. The fourth one is this, as they began to sing, the Lord set ambushes. As they began to sing, the Lord set ambushes. It is really interesting that, that the moment they sung, it triggered something in the heavenly realm. It's like a spark that lit the fuse. It was like the trigger button. 
as they began to sing. Maybe if they didn't sing, maybe the outcome would have been different. We would have never known. But their praise triggered action. Their backing off triggered something in the heavenly realm. This walk of faith cannot be about us doing everything and God doing nothing. There are some people, they live their lives like that because they're so well resourced. Listen, there are some of you in this place today, you are well resourced. Maybe it's time for you to back off and allow the Holy Spirit to work on your behalf. We in the Western church, I tell you what, we, they see more miracles in the Eastern church than in the Western church because there is a significant gap of health and finances and all the things that they need. And so they see the Holy Spirit come through again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Church, we've got to learn to back off and just allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does. But as they began to sing praises, the Lord set ambushes. It was like the trigger of faith. It triggered events. It triggered a breakthrough. And God began to move powerfully. It's the act of faith to honour Him, to worship Him, not to whinge, not to complain, but to actually say, Jesus, I thank You for where I am right now. It is an act of faith. But I believe, church, when you and I do that, we're really saying, God, we are backing off and we are trusting in You who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And we can pray and we can fast. We can do all the right things, but if we don't start praising, just maybe that is the trigger for the next thing that God wants to break through in our lives. Amen. That's it. Had a few more, but I'm done. What's your faith step in the midst of difficulty? What is it? In the midst of overwhelming odds, in the midst of things that you think are there to crush you. Your faith is meant for big victory. Your faith is meant for things that are well beyond your natural ability to endure. Church, I've got to tell you right now, some of the responsibilities I carry, not just in this church, but across the nation and Victoria and overseas and all that, <laughs> I'm a bit teary now. If I'm perfectly honest, I actually don't like it. I actually don't, I would prefer just to do this. But for some reason, God always puts me in areas that are beyond my natural ability. The natural man in me does not like it. But I know within that, there is a stretching of faith that is good for the soul. We haven't been called just to live a normal life, church. We've been called to go well beyond our natural ability. And as we begin to praise Him and worship Him in the, in the midst of difficulty and pain, God begins to bring breakthrough in our lives. Amen.